Hi, I'm Sarah, and this is the podcast version of my newsletter called Sarah by the Season, where I explore what is piquing my curiosity as I try to lean into nature's wisdom and rhythms. Subscribe and learn more at sarahbytheseason.com. I'm recording outside where I like to write if the weather permits, so enjoy the sounds of early October at our place. The title of this week's newsletter is Rethinking Self-Care for Our Own and Collective Good. I'm not the first one, by a long shot, to notice how the self-care industry has taken a good idea, caring for ourselves, and commodified it. I'm mostly certain that there isn't some council of old white men sitting around manipulating things so that capitalism keeps churning, but it does feel like, as soon as we more collectively start calling out the abuses of the system, that all of a sudden this new industry of self-care starts booming. Suffering from burnout? It certainly isn't the lack of social safety net, lack of child care funding, lack of health care, continually rising living expenses, your employer's lack of family leave or pay time off policies. It must be because you personally aren't taking enough bubble baths or doing enough yoga. If I did think there was a council of old white men orchestrating things, they would have played this one perfectly. Get people obsessed with their own self-care practices so that they don't have time to think about systemic racism, sexism, workaholism, astronomical CEO pay, the destruction of the planet led largely by a handful of corporations. Instead of directing our burnout, anger, and frustration with the systems, we blame ourselves for not sticking to a workout routine or not meditating enough. I tried a little experiment last week. I don't work my day job on Thursday, so I try to do all of the things the wellness bros, life hackers, and self-care pushers tell you to do. Get plenty of the right kind of sleep. Like first thing, move, lift heavy stuff, get lots of steps, meditate, eat enough protein, pursue your purpose, have a gratitude practice, etc. Here's how my day went, roughly. Here's where you'll have to look at the actual newsletter to see my journal mock-up of the day. As you can imagine, it did not go as well as the wellness bros would have you believe. Huberman doesn't have partner or kids, so I'm assuming he can pop right out of bed and do these things he's telling the rest of us to do every day. But it took me nearly four hours of self-care to even cross off a few of the things the wellness bros are telling us to do every day. There is zero possibility that I could do even half of these things on a normal workday, and I'm someone with a flexible job and in an equitable partnership. According to plenty of research, chronic stress is the leading cause of death in the U.S. Workplace stress alone accounts for 120,000 deaths in the U.S. each year. We aren't chronically stressed because we aren't doing enough self-care. We are chronically stressed because the systems we're living under don't work for most of us. And instead of waking up to that fact, we're stuck guiltily navel-gazing about our quality of sleep or how we're not getting enough sunlight in the morning. I count myself in this group for the record. The most marginalized among us aren't navel-gazing. They are suffering chronically from the stressors of these systems that keep them constantly hustling, constantly playing catch-up, constantly worrying. It reminds me of the narrative around climate change. Somehow the fossil fuel industry has us individuals trying to tackle climate change, when in reality only 100 fossil fuel corporations are responsible for or for 70% of global greenhouse gas emissions since we started keeping track of human-caused climate change. (laughs) Similarly, instead of coming together collectively to address the systemic injustices causing our communal wide epidemics of chronic stress, burnout, anxiety, and depression, we find ourselves spending our days trying to life hack our way out of these systems problems. This cycle keeps corporations off the hook, billionaires billionaireing, and government in the pockets of the corporations. That is what is so promising about recent strikes. According to the Cornell ILR School of Labor Action, more than 200 strikes have occurred across the U.S. so far in 2023. Collective action works and is more popular than it's been in a few generations. The writers' strike ended last week with big victories for the writers. Also last week, President Biden went to Michigan to join the UAW picket line. During the UK's Winter of Discontent of 1978, British journalist Andy McSmith wrote that it was irrational not to strike. And I think the same is true today when you look at the pace of CEO pay to worker pay since the 1970s. 
Not all of us are in jobs where collective action at the workplace makes sense, and it isn't that I think caring for ourselves is a bad idea by any stretch. But I wish we would see clearly how the way self-care is sold to us as one more thing we have to add to our never-ending to-do list in order to feel better only exacerbates the problem and keeps us mired in our own exhaustion, guilt, and self-absorption. Psychiatrist Pooja Lakshmin calls this the goopification of self-care in this excellent conversation with Tressie McMillan. Dr. Lakshmin suggests that we redefine self-care from the goopy version we've been sold into something more holistic, values-based, and useful to our healing. To do so, she lays out the following framework. Quote, My thesis is that instead of thinking of self-care as taking 15 minutes out of your day to meditate or go for a walk, that we need to be thinking about self-care as something that is threaded through every single decision you make in your life, the small decisions and the big decisions. So it's not a task to check off your list. It's actually something to embody. And when you deconstruct these choices, the framework that I'm suggesting is that there's these four pillars we can talk about, boundaries, compassion, values, power. When you deconstruct that and you decide to make choices in your life based on your own values, not society's values, not culture's values, that that's actually deeply subversive, end quote. In their conversation, Macmillan and Dr. Lakshmin go on to discuss the pillars in more detail, but I think the important consideration is that we learn to make choices based on our own values. Part of the work of growing up is figuring out what your values are as opposed to the values imposed on you by culture, religion, your family of origin. This is hard work, and when done well, requires frequent revisiting based on our season of life. Dr. Lakshmin rightly points out that this work is also deeply subversive to the systems of power because you can't control people who truly know their own values, making this seemingly individual work more collective than it seems at first glance. I just started reading a tune to Practicing Interdependence to Heal Our Trauma and Our World by Thomas Hubel, and in it he references Ferris Bustanji, who uses birds of prey to teach leadership skills, who says, To get in contact with the other, you have to get in contact with yourself. If Bustanji's proposition is true, that what we do to connect with ourselves helps us better connect to others, both the human and more than human world, then the truer kind of self-care that Dr. Lakshmin is talking about goes hand in hand with the collective action these times are hungry for. She concludes the conversation acknowledging that our ideas of self-care and community care should be more of, quote, a dance where you're constantly moving back and forth as we're always going back and forth between the individual and the social. And the two are always in this dance where both are true. I think both are true. That the government is responsible for enacting top-down solutions and individuals do have agency to make choices in their lives that can protect them and buffer them and also spur potential change, end quote. Like so many things, The response here isn't either or, but both and. We need a new kind of self-care that probably looks more like the idea's founders, and we need individual healing to feed our collective healing. You'll have to check out the actual newsletter for this week's Scattering Seeds, where I share things that help us lean into nature's wisdom, which you can find at sarahbytheseason.substack.com. Thanks, as always, for listening. If you know someone else who might like this sort of thing, I would love it if you would share it with them. You don't know how big of a difference it makes to writers and creators when you share our work. Learn more at sarahbytheseason.com and cheers to rethinking self-care in the season ahead.